From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark and Ryan here with you on, the, I think, the best day of the sports calendar. Well, maybe Georgia fans would disagree. They'd probably say the national championship game when the Bulldogs are in it. But that's right. It's the second day of spring football practice. We'll talk about the Bulldogs getting back on the practice field. All right. I was really talking about March Madness. But uh, we will get to that before uh, we'll talk. we'll talk about the Bulldogs. We'll talk about what we heard from Kirby Smart uh, this week as practice opened up. And uh, what we saw at Georgia's Pro Day, where Jalen Carter didn't seem to do anything to help his falling draft stock, but there was a legal resolution today on that matter. We will get to that. Let's start, Ryan, by asking you how many March Madness brackets have you filled out? Yeah, I'm a, I only do one every year. I mean, to me, I, I mean, I get no satisfaction if I fill out like five. You know, it, it's it's almost like, you know buying a hundred lottery tickets or something. I mean, I, I don't know. It just, I, I do one, I stick to it. I, I write it out on, on a, you know, a paper bracket and then I enter it into the ESPN. And then I think I'm in a CBS uh, bracket as well, but pick for pick is exactly what I drew out. Cause I, you know, satis- it's satisfying if, if it turns out well, and I don't feel like I cheated the system in any sort of way. How about you? You probably got like fifteen. You're throwing no, thousands no. of dollars. Uh, in Actually, the, I was in a, I was in a long time pool that um, has kind of retired. Uh, the guy that was running it decided uh, it was just too much work for him um, to do. I know it's automated, but he he would send out nice reports about it um, on a daily basis, pretty much. But I did one uh, men's tournament bracket and I did one women's tournament bracket. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, that reminds me, you know, uh, our pal Steve Hummer, you know, Steve Hummer uh, with the Atlanta newspaper. I'm in a master's pool with him mm-hmm. and he does that same. Actually, I'm in all four major pools with, with their little group, but he sends out daily. Like, it's kind of cool to get an email from Steve Hummer with like daily updates and notifications on how everybody's doing. It's pretty, Wait, do you, do, you do that? uh the week of, or do you do it um, like is it in person or, or via email? What most of them are, are via email. Uh, you know, you well, you, you have a I guess a a site that you go through to do your picks and whatnot. Right. But you need to, you need, and you it need tracks to, the plus minus and of your golfers and whatnot. You need to get in on that this year. Um, all right, let's let's let me hear your final four picks. Do you got it in front of you? Uh, I got them on in my head here. So right. Arizona. Purdue, mm-hmm. Houston, and UCLA. I believe that's my four. All I want to say is, what do you think? It's uh, it's sad for me. My chances of winning my pool are not good. If uh, I've gone chalk like you have, I got three of the same four Final Four picks as you. Believe it or not, I got Arizona. I got Purdue. Uh huh. I got Texas A&M as a seven seed going all the way. Hey, I, I've got them going to the Sweet 16. I mean, they're pretty hot. Do you know they won like 19 to 22? Yeah, and, and I got UCLA as well. And I got Arizona and UCLA in the finals. Uh, picked UCLA to win it all. Hey, me too. 
What are the odds? Look, we didn't talk about this at all before this either. That's that's sad. All right, you didn't that's, do. A yeah, I got Arizona, UCLA as well. Man, hmm. well, good luck. I thought uh, I thought not picking Bama would would be worth something. Look, I mean, Bama's got too many issues, don't you think? I mean, with with Brandon Miller facing charges and everything else. I mean, they've they've navigated it, you know, so far, um, but it seems like a never ending story. Um, all right, let me see. I'll give you my woman's picks since I know you didn't do that. I did do that. By the way, uh, those listening, we're, we are going to talk about Georgia football, uh, at, you know, in a minute. Uh, all right, here you did. Okay, oh, I, I forgot I picked the, this one team. You did do a final a woman's bracket. I did, and I don't have it in front of me, but I all think, right, here we go. I think I remember. I got South Carolina. Yeah, I didn't didn't try to be a homer, but it looked like I did pick Maryland in my final four. Mm. Uh, Indiana and Utah, and then I had. Uh, a final match. Wait, actually, that's not the final four. Hold on a second. Uh, let me let me read. That I was looking at an elite eight. I got South Carolina, Iowa, Indiana, and Virginia Tech. That's my final four. And See, then I got I've got South- I've got three or four. I got South Carolina winning it all, of course. Then I got Iowa. Uh, you know they will beat Georgia in the second round. Did you have Georgia winning their first round matchup? I did actually. Uh, what was that ten seven against FSU? Yeah. And then did you pick Georgia to lose? I got them winning the first round and losing to Iowa. Yeah. Then we have Indy uh, going all the way. And then I believe I, – I just don't – you can't count out UConn. I don't care if injuries and whatnot. I, 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 count, I counted them out. I counted them out. Uh, well. I got South Carolina and Indiana in the finals with South Carolina winning. All right, that's enough of – uh, What's that? Football time. Yeah, that's enough of our brackets. <clears throat> um, let me see. Uh, so – I don't know where we want to start. Let, let's start. I, I didn't really want since we we were kind of um, heavy on the uh, the bad news from Georgia in terms of you know all the sad stuff with with the crash and the repercussions of that. I, I was not planning to uh, talk about that too high up in this podcast today, but then this morning um, I had a chance to get some information from Jalen Carter's attorney, Kim Stevens, and just. Wrote up a story. We actually pushed this podcast back about a half hour as I uh, knocked out a story on Jalen Carter uh, reaching a deal essentially with the solicitor's office here in Athens, um, where he entered a couple of no contest pleas to those charges of reckless driving and street racing um, and 12 months probation, $1,000 fine, 80 hours community service, and uh, must do a defensive driving course. Um, so I, I think the timing of, I mean, my, my, snapshot take on this was you know he didn't have a good pro day yesterday but now nfl teams don't have to worry about you know i mean they they still have questions about his judgment and and will there be other incidents but they don't have to worry that he's going to end up having to serve any jail time or something like that you know and this is resolved what are we like seven weeks five weeks six weeks before the draft so um a quick resolution on this in terms of you know it's still not hanging out there he also, I thought, was very interesting. Uh, he didn't mention any media outlets in particular, and I, I don't know, know if I need to mention it, but he disputed the, uh, I guess, it, I think it was on an initial report, I was at the Combine, but um, that he had left the scene of the accident, um, you know, sounding like uh, He didn't return was, for an hour and a half or something was the rumor. Well, no, he said he, he didn't leave without permission to leave, basically. You know, they the police could have uh, had an interaction with him uh, initially and then, um, called him back uh, later to have a follow-up. Now, uh, and, and Carter did, or his attorney did say that Carter uh, stopped his car, 
uh, went to the scene to check on the other car while his uh, another passenger in Carter's car, which was not named, called 911. Um, well, obviously, I, I guess we need to mention, we're, as everyone knows, Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix. Uh, it was Carter and LaCroix racing, according to police. Uh, she was going 104 miles an hour, had more than twice the legal limit of alcohol. Um, and his, uh, Carter's attorney said he did not have any he did he was not drinking and there were no uh substances that he was under the influence of so now he i guess he didn't say in there that there was uh, he had changed his story i mean we, we haven't heard that from police that that actually happened but in any event um you know on top of coming less than 24 hours away from uh a pro day that was pretty lackluster for him only did position drills and also um couldn't even finish them uh was nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine and uh you know was kind of uh gassed looked like afterwards so it looked like maybe so ryan what do you make of all this well clearly i mean there's a lot on his shoulders and back and everything right now as far as the weight that he carries from his involvement you know racing i you can't say that he was directly involved in the car running off the, the road, but obviously he was involved in kind of leading to the racing and, and, and everything else. So you get concerned about a guy that since the combine, I mean, how do you gain nine pounds? You know, you, you hope that, like you said, with this being resolved the way it has, he can turn his attention to getting back to the playing weight he needs to be, you know, uh, speaking with organizations, GMs, coaches, and whatever to to restore his his image and and uh, you know because as we know, as we've seen, he's one of the best players in in football, and you know, once could have been a top three pick most likely. You know, you don't know where this drops him as far as the draft goes, but it it feels like you know. If he can get if he can get right for a few weeks, let this kind of get behind him, uh, get somebody to you know kick him into shape and and get him where he needs to be mentally, physically, and and everything. Hopefully that uh, he can kind of turn the page on all this and, and move forward uh, positively the best he can. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, fair to think he probably won't be a top five overall NFL draft pick anymore. I mean, could he slide down? I think maybe uh, – I think I saw 13th somewhere, uh, you know, he might have dropped to, and who knows where he might slide if he can't turn things around. Yeah, some of the uh, some of the, the Bears uh, head coach and general manager were on the scene yesterday. I think they're maybe at number nine now. Um, so uh, we'll see how it shakes out and um, – you know, what it looks like the next uh, several weeks before the draft. Let's talk about Pro Day a little bit later on to catch up on that. Let's focus a little bit more on the here and now of the current Georgia team. Um, before I do that, a couple of things. Um, we mentioned the women's basketball team. Uh, I have a story. I uh, got a chance to spend some time uh, late last week with uh, Katie Abrahamson Henderson. Coach Abe, she is known as, uh, spoke to her at our office, kind of wrote a story about how she got this program to the NCAA tournament, even though there were only five players back on the team from last year. A lot of the key components were gone, and she brought over, you know, some key components from UCF. Um, and then I was with the team on the Sunday night as they had their selection show. And uh, Jerry Moorhead was there, as was Josh Brooks, 
Uh, Where was that at? Was that at their private that was, facility? That was at the Butzmeer building. Um, now, I think they still have access to, you know, even if Stegman's closed to, you know, their locker room area. That's probably, uh, they probably have one in the practice facility, I'm guessing. I didn't know if uh, Coach Abe had hosted the party at her house or something with a big coach. No, no, they could have actually. That's a good point, but they did not. Uh, um, in any event, check that out. It's on onlineathens.com. Subscriber story. It's probably, it's worth, uh, you know, what your time to to catch up on them as they play Friday uh, against Florida State, one thirty. I think it's ESPN two. Um, any event, let's talk about football now. Uh, wait, there's actually one other thing I wanted to talk about, which was, hey, we don't usually like kind of, you know, ask you too often, or at least it's been a while to to put a review on, uh, you know, an Apple podcast or wherever you might get your podcasts. But um, I noticed the other day when I was looking for an old episode to pull up a clip of an interview we did. Um, that the reviews were wiped out, and I think that's because um, Ryan had had some technical issues to fix because it wasn't loading on some uh, apps, uh, and and he did get that resolved. But I don't know if that caused the wipeout of the reviews anyway. So we're starting from scratch on the reviews. Give if us you a rating, you know, all that stuff. What's that? A nice rating, you know. Give us uh, five stars. Uh is requested if you yeah if you give us one if you if you jump on there now and give us a five-star review then we'll be five-star podcast now if you give us a one-star review we got a lot of uh work to, to climb up from right i don't know um but you know ryan does all the technical work puts together the podcast afterwards uh, make sure it takes out my f-bombs that i drop in the middle of them <laughs> that you never hear <laughs> or maybe he doesn't take them out uh i don't i don't really do that uh so do it for ryan right do it for us appreciate it yeah. All right. Um, spring practice started and uh, Kirby spoke for about 22 minutes, I think it was, on Tuesday. And since it was the first time we had talked to him since the day after the national championship game, uh, he, he started off the press conference talking for about a minute and a half about the ramifications of, you know, the sad state of the program in terms of, you know, just dealing with the grief of losing Devin Willick and Chandler McCroy. Um, and then addressing the behavior of, of some that were arrested for reckless driving and um, a couple other arrests since the, the season ended. And uh, and then the first 10 minutes were pretty much questions about uh, that topic. And then it became more about football. Uh, Ryan, did you watch that? I know you weren't there. Did you watch it? I didn't see any of it. I, I read over the quotes later that was, uh, you know, sent yeah. out in mass. But uh... anything, anything jump out at you from what you heard related to um, to me, I, I thought, you know, I mean, I would have liked to have the chance to talk to Kirby earlier. And if, if we did, we could have focused entirely on football, um, and, and not have to deal with all those other matters, but I thought he didn't, he didn't seem uneasy or, um, try to change the subject. He knew that that's what was going to be a topic that, uh, he was going to have to address. And, you know, he said he's been educating players as well as he can bring in people to talk about street racing and, speeding at, at high uh, rates, you know, um, and, um, you know, that they're 18 to 22 year olds, but he, he said there's no policy that, that they have in the program uh, that seems to need to be changed uh, to avoid such a thing. I mean, um, I guess personal responsibility. And he said that, you know, Chandler, he didn't call out Chandler LaCroix, but he said that they were not authorized to be driving the vehicle at that time. Now, whether, you know, it was kind of a wink-wink thing and people did that kind of thing, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, you know, if you're if you're driving a vehicle 
um, Saturday and then you're going to drive it against Sunday. I don't know what her duties were. It might have been the next day. I mean, maybe you're not going to go return it and then come pick it up again. You know what I mean? I just don't know. But clearly, you should not be drinking and driving and, and you know. There's, well, there's... That, yeah, that needs to be the biggest change, right, is that to account have accountability for, you know, a car or, or whatever might be the case. I mean, we don't know for a fact. But, yeah, like you said, is it a thing where, oh, hey, yeah, you have the car for the weekend, you know. But I think after that incident, it needs to be checked in and out at all times and – you know, that might be the, the only change as far as I think what Kirby faced and, and you know, from other interviews, uh, I think his first kind of big interview with ESPN was that he claimed that there are no issues within the program. They don't have a, a, a street racing problem per se. And, mm-hmm. and I get it. I mean, you don't have to, you can't hold every kid's hands every step of the way, mm-hmm. you know, it, at two in the morning, other than saying y'all should be in bed and y'all should not be out on the streets. I mean, what can they do to prevent that from happening other than threatening? And if we take him at his word that they had uh, Bryant Gant, you know, lead the, the charge on, on, uh, I guess a, a Hulk or, or whatever presentation on why street racing is, is bad and can lead to situations like we've had. I mean, Sounds like they tried to do their part long ago. Now, some of the things like he didn't know that this had happened, like Jalen had had a ticket for going 85 or whatever it was near downtown Athens, or that, you know, there might've been some other instances, especially Jamon Dumas Johnson. He didn't know about that stuff. I find that hard to believe. And, uh, but maybe that was reasons why he brought in experts or, or whatever to talk about the dangers of, of that. But, I also get that it does, you know, I hate to say a wake-up call. That's that's a terrible, to use two deaths as a wake-up call is quite a terrible way to to put in the words that, uh, you know, this is, this is going to stop now. But it does seem to have that kind of feeling like, okay, we need to, we need to have more control over what, what the, the kids are doing and, and they need to, be accountable for themselves not to to do that anymore. And I think that might be the case. Yeah. Um, you know, the players also spoke uh, before and after Kirby. Um, you know, it was interesting to me, a, a guy like Kendall uh, Milton, I think it was that, that said, you know, he, he never had experienced a loss of someone he knew Um you know, pretty much the same age. And I guess it's different than if you have a, a grandparent or something like that. But um, so, you know, th- there's certainly real life issues that these guys are, are facing and, but they, they get to go back on the practice field and kind of do what they like, which is, you know, um, be around the guys more and um, have the camaraderie of, of being around the facility and that kind of thing. And, and they've been doing that a little bit. I mean, not a little bit, but a lot of bit in the, uh, you know, off season workouts, um, or right, let's flip it to football and talk a little bit about him. Obviously, quarterback is front and center. And I had a chance uh, to speak to Carson Beck's father for a story I wrote on Monday um, about kind of how how why this guy has been different than all other quarterbacks that are highly rated that haven't played for three years. They go in the transfer portal. I mean, he's played, but I mean, haven't started and and uh, got some perspective on that. Talked to one of his teammates from high school at the NFL Combine and put that in that story as well. Uh, Ryan, you also spoke to a father of a uh, quarterback in Georgia that's 
thick in the thick of this thing. Brock Vandegrift's father, it's Greg Wright, uh, the the coach at Prince Avenue Christian. Yep. Um, what did he have to say to you? Well, you know, I was asking him basically about what he wants to see. And it's funny to talk to a, a guy that's a coach as well as a father. I mean, he, you know, he's put together a high-powered offense at Prince Avenue, and Brock certainly reaped all the benefits of that while he was there, setting records, you know, becoming Gatorade Player of the Year and whatnot. So I asked him kind of, you know, one, what did – as a as a coach that – uh, evaluates talent, kind of, uh, you know, in a, in a high-powered offense, what he wants to see from Brock to continue to grow and, and have a shot at the number one quarterback. And, you know, his biggest thing was just reads, checks, uh, getting getting protection right, because he was explaining how different it is from the high school to the college level where a high school defense might run two defenses, uh college defense is running 20 different kinds so basically he he I, I got the sense he wants to see the maturity uh and the football smarts of his own son to kind of read all that and put the pieces together because I think he feels and it made it seem like coaches feel that and Kirby kind of said this there in his press conference on Tuesday that the athletic ability and the the ability to make the throws is definitely there for Brock He's just got to maybe put together some of those small pieces like reading uh, certain coverages or getting his running back in the right protection or the line in the right protection to succeed. And obviously Carson Beck has a year on him. Uh, you know, we, we don't really know what to expect from Gunner just yet, although we've heard positive uh, things uh, after, you know, he ran a scout team last year. So it, it seems to me that, that Greg really thinks that Brock has a shot. Uh, he's just got to got to put all the minute details together and and uh, kind of be the leader of the offense. Right. I'm going to break your your thoughts there uh, with some breaking news that I'm about to retweet uh, as it relates to Georgia women's basketball. Florida State's missing their top scorer for the game tomorrow, uh, according to the Tallahassee paper, which is in our Gannett chain. Um, so. Uh, we look pretty good with our picks, huh? Yeah, I'm sticking with my Georgia upset, the 10-7 upset. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, hold on one second. Let me just do a little tweet here. All right. Um, what else do we hear from the uh, the Bulldogs and Kirby? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, they're missing Jalen Walker uh, for – the spring and and already we're missing Marvin Jones Jr. So a lot of these they've got three early enrollees that are well regarded uh, recruits. Those guys are going to be pretty much uh, in the spotlight on G Day and and all spring uh, because you already lost Robert Beal, you lost Nolan Smith, and then you're missing two other guys that looked like up and comers and still are at, you know as edge rushers. Um, so we'll get to see some of those guys. But Kirby overall was pretty happy with only. I think it's five guys that are out for the spring and said that's, you know, behind what they usually have. And then if you include adding, adding 18 early enrollees and three transfers, that the depth is pretty good. Um, so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens at, at the tackle position, as we've mentioned in the past. Uh, you know, besides Ernest Green, Austin Blasky is a name um, to, to look for there. And then they brought in um, – a big time guy uh, 
out of is it is it uh, South Carolina? I think uh, the offensive lineman, uh, Monroe. yeah, Monroe Freeling is is another guy uh, that that you can watch there. Uh, well, how about the wide receiver uh, additions, Dominic Lovett and Rara Thomas? I mean, and especially with the, the news that Rara, you know, is uh, going to be a part of the team that we weren't so sure about a couple months ago, but. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do this spring. I mean, they're two big-time receivers coming, you know, lead, who led their team last year in receiving. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch this this fall or this uh, spring. I mean, yeah. Also, obviously, Mike Bobo uh, replacing Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator uh, was a, was a topic of conversation, and you know. Didn't get too much on Kirby, you know. It sounded like, I mean, as was pretty much expected, that this wasn't like I'm going to do a, a wide search. I mean, you had Bobo as an internal guy that is very tight with with Kirby Smart and had kind of had a chance to soak up the system. And um, you know, so he, Kirby said it wasn't until about the championship game that he thought you know, of the possibility of losing a guy like Munkin. Uh, and he thought if he did, it would be to the NFL. Uh, but he said, I felt very comfortable with uh, his leadership in the room, meaning Mike Bobo. He said, I asked Munkin his opinion when he was leaving, what he thought, thought it was important to keep that dynamic in the room set. We weren't losing multiple coaches. Um, so, um, you know, players said, you know, we're expecting some wrinkles from Mike Bobo. Uh, it's not going to be exactly Todd Munkin's offense, but they, they also were saying that, you're going to have changes every year anyway. So, um, you know, what will this offense look like, uh, you know, with Brock Bowers, uh, you know, and then you mentioned these wideouts. I mean, I think uh, now Kendall Milton was very excited about Mike Bobo as a play caller that he's a guy that loves. I mean, I guess he's thinking about Todd Gurley, Sean Marino, Nick Chubb. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, don't, don't let the fans hear that too much because that, yeah, the, Actually, I've seen it. Run, seen run, Nick, pass, punt, uh, myth well, uh, will come back into their heads. I say Nick Chubb. What was the what was Chubb's first season? Was that fourteen? Yeah, it was fourteen. So okay. you, yeah. So you yeah. had him and Gurley. I mean, him and uh, Sony yeah. as freshman and Gurley yeah. as what a junior. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Um. So. And Brendan Douglas was on that team. Yeah, Andrew Paul, the uh, running back who was injured last August. Uh, he's going to be doing some stuff this spring, uh, not going to be doing 11 on 11, um, you know, not gonna be doing tackling drills, but, um, you know, he's not entirely off the practice field. He's gonna be doing some individual work, uh, individual drills, uh, or I guess individual position drills. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll have a chance actually today, Thursday afternoon to get out on the practice field. I don't know if it's going to be 10 minutes. I don't know if it's going to be 20, whatever it is, it's been a while. So, uh, looking forward to seeing the Bulldogs out on the practice field. How about Branson um, Robinson? I mean, I think he's another guy I'd like to you know, keep an eye on this spring. Yeah, you got between uh, Dejan and, and Branson and Kendall Milton. Uh, Always we'll strong in that, in that running back room. We'll see how they, they uh, flip that out. Now, you know what's interesting? Uh, saw a lot of the current Bulldogs on uh, Wednesday at Pro Day. Uh, Kyrus Jackson was out after wrist surgery that he had in – uh, right after the championship game. So he wasn't available to catch passes from Stetson Bennett. Darnell Washington was out there, but so was Dylan Bell. So was Luke Bennett, Stetson's uh, brother. Yeah. So was Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint. So was Arian Smith. 
so these guys got in front of NFL scouts um, and got a chance to work with Stetson on these drills. Uh, Ryan, I know you were watching it on SEC Network. I was there in person. You know what? I asked Stetson afterwards exactly how long his script was for his uh, throwing session. He said it was about 54, 55 passes. It felt like a lot more than that to me because uh, it seemed like that was a very, very long session. I didn't go back and count them, but because I was trying to watch other things, we were doing interviews at the same time, I think, maybe. Um, but in any event, um, I thought Bennett had a uh, pretty good day. I mean, he, he throws a, a nice deep ball, as we know. Uh, also off target, though, on several throws. I, I think I counted about five, maybe. And, and Stetson wasn't thrilled with his performance. But I think, you know, he had a good combine as well. Um, said he wasn't happy with what he ran, even though I think people generally, you know, thought it was a decent run. Um, so anything jump out at you besides the, the Jalen Carter issues? No, you know, those things are so hard to evaluate. I mean, what we're looking at might be totally different than what any of those pro scouts are looking at. But, yeah, I mean, I did think at times there was a couple deep balls that seemed to be either short or behind receivers. But, I mean, I found it interesting the guys he was throwing to. I mean, like we talked about Arian and Marcus and even his own brother. I mean, uh, I guess you do that for familiarity in those situations. I mean, I don't really recall in the past – you know, current players that are still on the team having that big of a impact or whatever in the in the pro day. But that was interesting to me that it seemed like, you know, they gave him guys that he was used to throwing to and had a rapport with. Kenny McIntosh was the only guy that ran of the current guys that just came off the Georgia team. Now, William Poole, you know, played one game, I think, for Georgia last year. He ran as well. Uh, the DB that left the team or was, you know, they parted ways with him. But um Kenny didn't didn't even match his uh, run from um, the combine, at least according to what I I timed and and asked somebody else what they got as well. Um, but you know, it's an interesting thing. We, we only get so much time with some of these guys; uh, they're kind of handpicked. Robert Beal, to me, just listening to him at the combine in Indianapolis and then talking to him again yesterday, uh, you know, he's not the, he's not like Nolan Smith in that he's uh, full of like. Uh, great quotes and always full of energy. He's kind of a more quiet guy, but he's pretty thoughtful. And um, I think, I think he's going to just, he seems to have the right makeup uh, of kind of a glue guy. That's, you know, if you have a 45, what is the NFL now? Is it 53? I don't know what the, what the roster number is, but he seems like a guy you'd want in your locker room. I think Um, kind of just gets the job done and isn't very, uh, you know, fussy about things maybe. So yeah, uh, yeah, he has the look. He has that, Look that he's put together, uh, you know, and uh, Nolan Smith, I noticed, I mean, in the underwear or whatever they wear out there, I mean, those guys look like they uh, can bring a lot of energy toward the quarterback. Donald Washington uh, said he officially uh, was measured at 6'7". I think the combine, they had him at 6'6 six, six and a half. So um, he <laughs> he thought something was a little bit fishy about the way that they measured him at the combine. I predict, I predict that he jumps into the top 25 somewhere on draft night. Only I, only I, the boulder, maybe could be I mean, possibly. Just, somebody's gonna be like, man, that dude is. Oh, we need him. Yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know if anyone really moved the needle uh, too high up based on pro day because you know a lot of those guys had already been tested at Indy. Um, they did have position drills that you know the, the teams will look at closely, I guess. Um, anyway, before we we get out, um, 
want to make quick mention of a couple of hires in the SEC and uh, with one of Georgia's ri- rivals on the basketball front. Chris Beard to Ole Miss, Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech. Ron, you got any thoughts on those hires? Well, there's a lot of thoughts on Chris Beard, you know, the, I guess, the moral side of things. I, I know he was cleared of any uh, charges or whatnot, but I, I mean, it, from a basketball perspective, I think it fell in the Ole Miss lap and they should be excited about that. I was, uh, I guess, surprised. I don't know the word of, of text hiring because I didn't know where Damon Stoudemire stood as far as, uh, you know, being a coach uh, anywhere. I know he was with the Celtics for a while, you know, as an assistant, maybe an interim for a little while. But, uh, you know, there's a big difference between pro and, and college with the recruiting you have to put into it. So we'll see if he can turn them around. Yeah, Stoudemire um, had a, a decent run at Pacific, um, but, you know, that's not a program that's necessarily, you know, in the spotlight like he's going to be at Georgia Tech in a Power 5 ACC. Uh, but, you know, probably a name that will resonate with some uh, people uh, in the recruiting game. And, um, you know, so that's Mike White's got to deal with with that now uh, in Atlanta. He's actually from the Josh Pastner tree. I think he worked with him in Memphis. Um, but uh, regarding the Chris Beard hire, um, you know, I know the charges were dropped, but but I, I know there's people that, that um, are in uh, – look into these things they say that that a lot of times a victim of domestic violence uh will ask that charges be dropped um and that doesn't necessarily mean uh that you know th- there wasn't abuse uh so uh you know like old like um auburn did with with uh hugh freeze i mean you hear the the talking points about due diligence and all that but uh you know two months after texas fired him he, he lands in the sec at another power five conference job a uh, little surprise it could happen that fast i'm not sure uh if you gave greg sankey some truth serum how he would feel about that uh you know opening uh the league to more criticism especially with what's going on at alabama with the brandon miller situation uh so um you know, Georgia will see Chris Beard and Ole Miss uh, a good bit of it. Yep, absolutely. All right, we will talk to you next week. Hopefully have a lot of uh, good things to, uh, ex- you know, expand on from the practice field. And uh, we'll talk a little more hoops then. And uh, everyone have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Like what you hear? Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating, a like, and even leave us a comment to let us know how we're doing. As always, find more content at onlineathens.com and in the Athens Banner Herald.